Welcome to the Standard of Truth podcast. In this podcast, Dr. Garrett Dirkmont and Professor Richard LaDuke explore the early history of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints and the life and teachings of Prophet Joseph Smith. They examine the original historical sources and provide context for events of the past. They approach the history of the Church with faith, expertise, and humor. Hi, welcome to another episode of the Standard of Truth Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Garrett Dirkmont, and I'm joined by my friend, Professor Richard LaDuke. Hello, Garrett. That was our fourth take of trying to do this. <laughs> I, I don't know that... I think, I, I'm not sure that Richard's entirely uh, educated on the reason why you do takes. It's to not tell the audience that it took four takes for me to say the word Standard of Truth Without saying the word nerd, or without my wife speaking in the background, how are you doing, Angie? She's great. She's yeah. doing just wonderful. We're uh, we're glad to be here. This is uh, part four of uh, Moroni. Well, I, I feel like you kind of you kind of you kind of challenged me. I did. You I came said, at me pretty hard. I said after the end of a part two, I said we never do multi-parters, and, and I now, feel like it's hurting our brand. And now we're doing four parts. Garrett promised last week that we'd finish this week. There's not even a chance we're <laughs> finishing this week. I mean, there's a chance. Well, so this is this is one of the things that is great. So Garrett probably spends oh seven to ten hours in research per episode, plus or minus, uh, preparing some of the things that. Uh, that we have to be able to talk about. And so as Garrett is doing additional research, he's finding more things that are interesting that we can be able to talk about. And the next thing we know, season four, all Moroni yeah. parts. We're, we're, we're going to do season four, Moroni part 37, <laughs> which by the way is exactly what it would be if we did a plural marriage podcast. It would be, it would be like, and this week on the standard of truth slash plural marriage podcast, I make it sound like we're some kind of bad daytime television, but um, you know what? We are bad, bad daytime television. At any rate, um, the the reality is there's just a lot that goes into it. I mean, and look, Richard spends tons of time editing this as well, trying to get it. I mean, you you do prep. I <laughs> well, he doesn't do as much prep, but he has a ton of post production. Okay. All kinds of post-production. Yeah. I show up, hey, what are we talking about today? Uh, and then I'm like, well, I thought that we would talk about X and, you know. And I'm like, nope, garbage. Yeah. And then, we, and then he comes Pe up with a better idea. People want polygamy. So uh, we wanted to start with the Phoebe Draper mailbag. We have a couple of emails. Um, and then we'll get into Moroni part, part four. This first email comes to us from Alicia. The subject is happy birthday. Oh. Ah, Dr. Dirkmont. I heard it was your birthday a couple of days ago. I, so this is coming out uh, middle of November. That's about right. I mean, so, luckily, I mean, we, we, again, we have to apologize. We receive many emails and we are well beyond the capacity to respond to all of them. Um, I don't know if everyone knows. Uh, we don't have what you would call a team. Uh, Richard will occasionally make reference to our crack research staff. And that's Richard on his MacBook researching it. That's what he means by the crack research staff. And so, you know, and we both, you know, are trying to provide for our families. And surprisingly, uh, free content, free podcasting is not, 
It's not the number one way to provide for your family. I'll tell you that. It's because uh, there's a lot of costs that are that are associated with it. So, it, I we just don't have the ability to answer all of them. We literally do read all of them, and maybe when we read them, we should just send like a really quick like, "Got it." <laughs> Thanks. But, yeah, but then it would seem like we're being jerks about it. But we do read them all. We're really grateful for all of them. We have we have seen a significant increase ever since I started giving away premium content to all missionary emails. Yeah. We're getting a lot of. We're, we're getting a lot of fake made-up emails. <laughs> we're getting a, like a lot of like Philastus Hurlbut at ldschurch.org. I mean, I don't know. It seems it, it went to a lot of effort to create a server that. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, Philastus Philastus Hurlbut slash Eberhow at churchofjesuschrist.org. Yep. I don't know. I don't know if that's a missionary. You know, speaking of Eberhow, I was actually I was in Kirtland uh, this last this last week. I went to. Um, the BYU drumming uh, against West Virginia. BYU wasn't doing the okay. drumming. They I, were I believe, being drummed. Um, I don't want to play back the tape, but you could probably go back and put the tape in. Uh, I believe the I tape. said that. Well, I mean, if we were doing this analog, <laughs> there would be tape. That's where we get. For those of you young people that are listening, like Everett, uh, if you're listening, uh, which you probably aren't because you only listen whenever your dad makes you listen. Um, uh, Last week, we talked about the West Virginia game, or last week or two weeks ago. I, who knows? Yeah, at this point, it's all a blur, which is exactly what it was, West Virginia scoring against BYU. It was all a blur. But I had said, I love BYU, but they're about to get boat raced. <laughs> and Richard was like, you know what, though? I think, you know, we're getting a... I said, the, he said, the offense is coming together. <laughs> they're finding their footing. And then he thought they would cover. Um which they did not. Um, they did not, unless yeah. you had them at 30 and a half. You know what? Maybe you paid down points until you could That's get a lot of points and... you're buying. Yeah, down. You, 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 at that point, you're putting in a $20 bet and you're getting back 30 cents. <laughs> <laughs> That's correct. So it was, uh, it, was not, it was not an ideal game. The fans in West Virginia were lovely. It was a fun time. Uh, and uh, we had we had a great time. But while we were there, we drove up to uh, Cleveland went to Kirtland and we uh, we met some senior missionaries there brother and sister Lichty and uh, we told them we were coming in June and with the tour with the tour nice. and they were very very excited a friend of that I went with uh, or several of them told them that uh, that I have a podcast where we do this history stuff and they were asking me all kinds of questions and as many of you might know I don't know anything about uh, church history. and is, is that what you told Elder and Sister Lichty? Lichty? I did. Well, because <laughs> well, they kept asking me questions because we're, we're in, so we... Do you know what kind of spackle they put on the Kirtland Temple? <laughs> well, they... so so we had we had a limited amount of time and so it was, all right, do we do the Kirtland Temple? Do we do the new house, uh, Joseph Smith home that is part there that Garrett hasn't been to yet? It's, or, mm-hmm. I, you are brand new. Me. And then, or uh, School of the Prophets. I was like, ah, boy. Well, they're all they're all great. We went to school the prophets. Mm, it's amazing. It was it was great, right? So um, it's one of the places you can go in America, where not only do you know that Joseph Smith was on those very four boards, but the Savior appears to them on those very four boards. So it's 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 one of the most special holy places that we have. That and the Ashery, uh, <laughs> the Ashery I love because boy do they they really crank that bad boy out. They turn about uh, two hundred dollars per barrel of produced stuff. It's so the Ashery, then School of the Prophets. Um, in terms of my favorite parts of the uh, so, so where God and Jesus appear is, 
I love it. I mean, but it's not as financially viable as well, the Ashery. What the Ashery is able to produce in terms of revenue for the Saints is significant. I mean, it's it's wonderful. For all of the poor Saints that are moving in, they're able to bring their ash in, get a couple of shekels, and then and then good old Newell K is so able you, to turn that into straight you cash. You are using Old Testament currency. Yes. Yeah, 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 a couple of shackles. Anyway, I love the Ashery. I do love it. But School of the Prophets, is in, it's incredible. You're sitting in that room. They read a couple of accounts, and it's uh, it's, it's incredibly special. We would love to uh, – We our Nauvoo, Missouri tour is – I mean, it's like a Delta flight at this point. It's oversold. Yeah, well, it's like every Frontier flight that's <laughs> ever been. Uh, we, uh, maybe. I don't know. We, we, want, we need 10 people to cancel. No, we, we, yeah. so that one's that Only one's, we that don't one's offer anybody anything. <laughs> You know what? We're oversold and you're not on the tour anymore. No, that's not true. No, but so that one that one is actually a little oversold. It's gonna be a lot of fun. We're we're gonna be packed. It's gonna be a blast. And then uh, and the but we still have availability for the Palmyra, the Gettysburg slash uh, for Rocky possible Baltimore Orioles game slash I think he's coming in early to hit some uh, some baseball games. He's gonna be excited. And then um and then we go to, to Kirtland and we go to Palmyra, we Fayette. Playing the hits. So that'll be great. So we would love for you to join us for that. That'll be the first week of June. First full week of June is the Palmyra one. And then Missouri, Nauvoo. You can't sign up. You can't come. But, the, but, <laughs> but, we'll, those, but next year. The next year. Next year. Next we'll, year. Yeah. You can always. We'll, we'll keep going. Well, maybe. I would love I would love a multi-parter on the Ashery if we could. Okay. we and the, Holy places from our past. Unfortunately, this is the last episode of the Standard <laughs> Truth Podcast. <laughs> Dr. Dirkmont, I heard it was your birthday a couple of days ago. Um, uh, that being the case, I just wanted to take a moment and send a positive email with the flood of all the hate hate mail you get and wish you a happy birthday. Thank you so much for you and Richard. I love your program so much. I promise it's not hero worship, though. Thank you. Oh, no, very good. Very nicely done, Alicia. However uh, amusing you might find... Well, uh, what I'm going to say next, you must believe I'm com- completely sincere. Buckle up. <laughs> oh boy. So she's about to say something very nice. I, or, or, or sarcastic. Yeah, yes, I mean, yeah, you never really know. Either way, buckle up. Your personality, the way you joke, the way you interact with others, most especially your testimony and your faith, is how I picture the Prophet Joseph Smith. Granted, I've never met the Prophet Joseph in person. I'm only going off the small little accounts of history that I know. I've only lived on this earth for 45 years. I don't know uh, very much, and I haven't met very many people, so I don't have a lot to compare. But in life, we often like to personify people from the past with people of the present. So that is that is uh, so that we can imagine them in person a little better. It is strange for me to say that you remind me so much of him when I've never met him in person. You must be kindred spirits. Either way, happy birthday. Best wishes. Wow. If you want to know the greatest compliment you could ever pay me, it is to say that I in any way remind anyone in any way, even slightly, of Joseph Smith. I love the Anne of Green Gables uh, <clears throat> deep cut here on Kindred Spirits as well. That's well done. You know, and that's one that I'm sure Angie caught. I'm yeah. sure. I'm sure. And, 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 and Becky. Becky probably caught Kindred Spirits. I've been to Prince Edward Island with Becky, oh. took her on a... Did you have a cow that pulled you through the mud there? No, but we, we went to all the places, and I am not familiar with, I mean, I'm familiar with that the book exists, but I didn't 
read it as a child. Did and you watch, watch the, movie? the movie every single Sunday for most of your young adult life? I did not. We, well, we, then we, you're not Angie. <laughs> we we were able to watch. I think I mentioned this before. The um, Living Scriptures. We got the free uh, first one. Yes. So you just kept li- watching them. the brass plates. Yeah. So so you kept getting the really high pitched Lemuel. Yeah. Talking about it's getting wider. I'm getting stronger because all the stuff was falling out of the back. Hundred percent. My sister and I yeah. can we can we can do that entire. Uh, thing I think we from, should have Sarah right. on at some point. We should and have her. Uh, you know, we've had my brother on. Let's have your sister on. We should. We should have her on, and all we'll do is reenact. Uh, yeah, find the brass plates. Yes. Living scripture. I especially want her to reenact the killing of Laban with you being Laban. Uh, <laughs> Well, so you can get drunk. Well, so as as you know, my uh, you know my mother is a, is a convert, and she's a Jewish convert, and Sabbath day of um, adherence is something that's very important. Um, and so she was a, a Shiite Mormon, where we would had very strict Sabbath day observance on terms of television and things. And so that's the movie we were allowed to watch. So we watched it on a loop. Speaking of tape, it was a it was, VHS. It was on, I get yeah yeah. I thought it was on Betamax. <laughs> this email comes to us from Wendy. Hi Richard and Garrett. Thanks for all you do. The humor, as uh, well as the history and sharing of knowledge, I've listened to you guys since Garrett sat with Hank and John in their Doctor and Covenants year of Follow Him. I love delving into history. I'm not an expert, don't have a PhD, but love seeing church history and its historical context. I sus- subscribed to your premium content as soon as it was a bit well, first oh, of all. Thank oh my you gosh. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. You are helping put this on the air. <laughs> so you have at least one subscriber in Australia. Uh, but if you're paying with Australian dollars, though. Yeah, what is the conversion <laughs> right now? I mean, it feels like it's taken a hit, the Australian dollar has. Um,. My daughter is uh, getting ready to put in her mission papers. I keep telling her to listen as you give such good uh, grounding in so much of early church history and especially Joseph Smith and his journey. However, I listen to you in Apple Podcasts and she has Spotify. Is there any way for me to cheat you out of your second subscription (laughs) and get her Spotify to recognize my subscription? She found an anti-YouTuber Oh, nice. The other day. Those are pretty hard to find. <laughs> yeah, you, you know, one you of the- You have to comb the yeah, what, yeah, you have to, you have to, you've got to, you've got to search long I, and hard. I assume it's just like the scene from, from, um, uh, from Spaceballs where they're combing the where desert. Where they're literally using the comb. the desert. And you still can't find any antis on YouTube. Yes. That's right. Uh, we had a discussion on sources. Uh, so you have taught me well. But that gave me added incentive for her, uh, to get her listening to you. Maybe I need to drive her around in my car listening or get her arrested in Idaho. Oh, man. We, we know an officer <laughs> who could help out. He, he could have her in the back of that squad car. In, in fact, we just had lunch with him. And Hilarious. Greatest guy ever. We're yeah. gonna, we're gonna, you know, we're going to keep the He's, name out of, we don't want R, to know. Yeah, officer R, R. R. He's a member of the tribe. Uh, <laughs> he he also like Richard's mother uh, was a Jewish convert to uh, incredible to conversion story. Oh, incredible! Incredible guy! Incredible! We got we got to meet his son. They were going to uh, the BYU game because they they obviously didn't watch the game last week. Um, but you know what? I want to I want to get there in person. Um, it was it was a blast. Actually, it, it actually is one of those things where so he's going to be coming on the tour, and it's one of those things where. Um, 
the the tour we did last year was so much fun. It's so because fun. it's people that are relatively like minded. They like to ha- laugh, have a good time. People who uh, take the gospel very seriously, but don't take, take themselves. themselves seriously. Yeah, we and need to put that on a t shirt. We should. Um, so, well, I will say, Wendy. Um, one day, I hope uh, tangent leads to early church history in Australia as well. Thanks again for sharing your time and talents. Um, I'm first generation Dutch transplant too. I love the Dutch connection. Oh. Sorry, Richard, no French. Wendy, um, you're dead to me. If no, I, Wendy, I read that you know what? PS- now you're a real kindred spirit, to borrow the phrase, because there you are. Uh, I'm the first. I'm the first uh, of my my dad's side of the family born in the United States. My dad was born in the Netherlands, and so. I'm a first uh, generation American, essentially born in America. Now, on my mom's side, she's 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 been here since Miles Standish. Yeah, seriously, she was she was at the f- first Thanksgiving. I don't even. I don't <laughs> she even, was no I don't, <laughs> no not even her not even just her not even her yeah, grandmother say, no just, her personally yeah she was like what do you guys want candied yams or what um so uh I will say Wendy um. You can send us your daughter's missionary email, and we will send you the link to the Google Drive so that you can have access to them um, while you're a missionary or while you're preparing for your mission. They call us Give It Away, Garrett. We're just <laughs> giving it away. And you know what? Look, the whole reason why we do the podcast is to try to help strengthen faith and to try to help people who have questions about church history and, and things like that. And so... For us, the whole point of this is to find ways to, to help people. And so, of course, we're happy to help out. with. If you're willing to commit to, to serve God on a mission, we're willing to help out in any way we can. And I will say that the most popular, obviously, the, the condemned to repeat it, that's, that's it can be interesting for those that like history, but the Joseph Smith and the Restoration, specifically the apostasy leading into the Reformation are the most popular episodes for, for missionaries which is why we like to give those away for free as well as we have our missionary extravaganza episode that we can, that is yeah. for free that uh, also, Hey, here's a couple of, you know, Doctrine and Covenants 76, uh, 93, a couple other key teachings, the Trinity. Um, we spent a lot of, of time on some Protestant theology uh, because in the, in the premium content, because we, we want people to understand uh, the, the, that, what it is that's driving the questions that Joseph has and what's going on in the religious world at the time of Joseph Smith. So uh, really appreciate the email. Thank you so much for listening. It, it, it does feel good to be able to say, you know, we have a listener halfway around the world. Yeah. You know, and we've been to that, what, well, the, the Sea Sydney. Life Sydney. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. We have been to Sea yep, Life we Sydney. Ha- we have been there and we've, well, we, we didn't get to hold a koala, unfortunately, but we did get to, we got up close and personal with one. We did, and 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 as we mentioned, so any missionary, right? They can send us send us the missionary email. We'll give you access to all that premium content. And uh, I will say it was it was interesting. I tried to get my uh, sons before they left on their mission to listen to the uh, the podcast. My oldest son, the um, the one that is in Spain, he enjoyed it, listened to it. Um, my second oldest son uh, did not, could not possibly have cared less about it, and uh, but went on his mission and cares about it. About the same as he did. Well, before. in fairness to his son, his second son, um, he also knows me. <laughs> so I mean, if anyone, if there's any, I mean, there are probably few 
you know, 19-year-olds who know me as well, 18-year-olds know me as well as, as Rigdon does. It's true. It is true. Um, and I will say uh, Rigdon, who has now been robbed um, a handful of times, uh, he, he, was, he was the most disappointed. It was actually a funny thing that he said uh, to Becky when we were able to talk to him. Um, Duolingo did not prepare me for the words that they would use when right. I was being robbed. You know what? There should be like a, I'm going to a bad area Duolingo. It's like the yes. words you're going to need to know are your money or your life. Uh, yes, I want the shoes too. Uh, actually, one of the funnier stories when we were meeting with uh, Officer R, um, when he was talking about when he was robbed in Mexico City, by he was robbed so many times in Mexico City that by the end of his mission, he's like, look, I, I need $2 for bus fare to get back. Give me at least $2 back. This is ridiculous. So he would be negotiating with the robber. And the robber was like, fine, fine. Here, here's your $2. You know, to get bus. A robber with a heart of gold. <laughs> Basically Robin Hood at that point, right? Robbing from the poor and <laughs> giving, giving a little bit back to that person so they can get home. That's right. Yeah. And that's what we like to promote. Speaking of people who try to steal things, let's talk about uh, Joseph Smith. <laughs> uh, we left off talking about... Um, uh, his walk, we, we read that quote from Oliver Cowdery, that he's walking up to where he knows the plates are again because he had a vision, okay? When, when the angel appeared, the angel showed him in vision exactly where the plates were. So as Joseph talks about it, I knew the place. I knew it as he's walking up there. He doesn't need uh, to, to have a compass, but as we also read that that quote from Oliver Cowdery, as he's walking up there, Joseph is he's he's fighting an argument in his mind about the fact that he is going somewhere where he he he's been told there are gold plates buried in the hill. And frankly, the fact that they're valuable, the fact that it's at least real gold or it's at least something that's valuable that is 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 confirmed by the angel himself. Because that third time that the angel appears, the angel tells him that Satan would try to tempt him. I wish I had an angel that would come and appear to me every time I'm about to be tempted. And, and the angel would say, hey, Garrett, Satan's about to tempt you to honk at this person who just cut you off. Um, I mean, it was a pretty bad cutoff. So, I mean, I, I understand we didn't have cars back when I was a mortal. Uh, but you know what? Maybe lay off. I mean, think about if you had an angel warning you about every one of your about to be temptations of Satan. I mean, that you'd think that'd be helpful. Although, I probably still would have honked the horn. Um, so, Joseph gets to that. He gets to that spot. He opens it up and he sees this gold. And as, as Oliver Cowdery explained, while he was walking up there, he was having this kind of argument with himself about how valuable this gold was, how much he could change his family's lives if he just took the gold, if he just maybe took part of it. And I think that's an aspect of Joseph getting the plates and his time that he spends with Moroni that we don't think about too much. Um, the reason why we know that Joseph is tempted to take the plates for money is because Joseph Smith tells us that he was tempted to take the plates for money. So it's a pretty good source 
I mean, since he's the only one who's there, I mean, it would be funny if like Angel Moroni was giving like a side interview, like I was there for that. He's trying to take the plates. Um, but here Joseph is following this vision that he had. He's following the angelic instructions of, of that he's received now four times in this, this, this small window. And yet the power of the adversary in tempting him was so much that when Joseph finally did get up there, it's it, the temptation has actually overwhelmed him. The angel has said that you have to have an eye single to the glory of God. And Joseph clearly does not have an eye single to the glory of God. As he says in Joseph Smith history, which, which you all have, I made an attempt to take them out but was forbidden by the messenger and was again informed the time for bringing them forth had not yet arrived. When he's talking about it in his earlier account, he, he, it's a little bit more visceral and he provides a little bit more details. This is from his 1832 history that, that he writes where he spends a little bit more time on his attempt to get the plates. He he's going to explain exactly how this is is a multi-part thing, right? He, find, he, he he goes there, finds where the plates are, tries to get them, and he's not able to get them right away. And in fact, he's going to make multiple attempts to get them. He says, I went, I immediately went to the place and found where the plates was deposited as the angel of the Lord had commanded me and straightway made three attempts to get them. And then being exceedingly frightened, I supposed it had been a dream of vision. But when I had considered, I knew that it was not. Therefore, I cried unto the Lord in the agony of my soul, why can I not obtain them? So Joseph here is explaining that he opens you know, the box. I mean, he, he's able to pry open the, the, the stone lid to this box looks down in and he sees that they're gold and he goes to take them and he can't. And, and in fact, makes multiple attempts to take them. He, he's prevented. And you'll notice he even starts to doubt everything. I became exceedingly frightened. I supposed it had been a dream of vision. But when I considered, I knew that it was not, I cried unto the Lord. So at this point, because he can see these plates, but he can't physically take them. He's actually starting to doubt everything. I mean, did did I even really see an angel? And then he, you know, as he has that thought to himself, no, obviously the angel came this morning. So yeah, I've I've seen an angel. I've seen an angel four times. And so he's going to make this 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 fervent prayer. I cry out to the Lord, and uh, behold, the angel appeared unto me again and said, "You have not." kept the commandments of the Lord, which I gave unto you. Therefore, you cannot now obtain them for the time is not yet fulfilled. Therefore, thou wast left unto temptation. Now, this is a very interesting thing that we don't get from what you have in Joseph Smith history in, in your scriptures. From this earliest account of Joseph talking about it, the angel is teaching Joseph something here that, that we miss that he says that you were left, I, that thou was left unto temptation, that thou mightest be made acquainted 
with the power of the adversary. Therefore, repent and call on the Lord, thou shalt be forgiven. And in his own due time, thou shalt obtain them. So Joseph, first of all, says he's not able to get them because he hasn't kept the commandments. And that because he hadn't kept the commandments, the Lord deliberately allowed Satan to tempt him in part so that Joseph could fully understand just how powerful that the power of the adversary was. Just so he could, I mean, not that Joseph doesn't remember what happened when he first tried to pray several years ago uh, when, when he had the first vision. But here, this is the power of Satan's temptation. Rather than this physical attempt to overpower Joseph right before he calls upon the Lord, this is the power of the adversary to redirect Joseph's thoughts away from what an, an angel has proclaimed to him toward the thing that's always on his mind every single day. How can I help my family get out of poverty? It's a pretty easy temptation. Satan knew right where to go. For Joseph, the thing he thought about every day, all day long, how can I help my family get out of their financial problems? And so Satan worked on him so that when he opened that box and he saw those plates, the first thought was, we're rich. Now, Joseph could have just said, I didn't keep the commandments. And we'd be like, well, what does he mean that he didn't keep the commandments? Joseph's then very clear. He follows it up. Um, uh, saying very clearly, after he says, the angel tells him to repent and call upon the Lord, and thou shalt be forgiven. And in, thy, in his own due time, thou shalt obtain them. For now I had been tempted of the adversary, and sought the plates to obtain riches, and kept not the commandment that I should have an eye single to the glory of God. Therefore I was chastened, and sought diligently to obtain the plates. He's going to go on to talk more about the things that happen after that, but we'll, we'll, we'll stop his narrative there for a second. Imagine the disappointment that you would feel personally as you have the, the reality that there is this ancient record from God is directly in front of you. You have now had this angel appear to you five times in the course of, I mean, at the very at the very most 24 hours, but probably 12 or 15 hours. Five times an angel from the unseen world has appeared to you, given you directions, given you instruction. And this last time, it's, it's the angel letting you know, hey, Joseph, you couldn't get the plates because we all know what was on your mind. You were thinking of trying to get rich off of the plates. Even after I warned you, you can't want the plates for yourself. But in that, in that same chastisement is going to educate him. The Lord allowed Satan to tempt you just so you could be acquainted with the power of the adversary and his ability to tempt. So this explanation that Joseph gives, you know, using both of these sources together really helps get us an idea of where Joseph is at personally in, in September. 
1823. It is interesting, right? Like that, uh, you know, we all face a, a pretty reasonable amount of temptation in our lives from time to time, but the amount of temptation and the amount of how much Joseph would need to be acquainted with that was interesting that, 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 you know, he has, you know, this manifestation from Jesus and from heavenly father before, but as Moroni is helping to prepare him to become a prophet now, it's interesting that that's one of the first things that happened. I, I, that's fascinating. It is interesting. I mean, we talk about Moroni educating Joseph, we already said there's some things that he taught Joseph that we don't know, right? I mean, he, he said, Joseph tells us, he quoted many scriptures to me that I can't tell you right now. Well, well, that's not as helpful for our follow him study, you know, uh, uh, you know, the come follow me study uh, in the mornings. Um, but there are some things that Joseph's very clear that, that the Lord taught him. And one of the things in this period of great disappointment that he learns is just how powerful the adversary is. So, but it's interesting though, because he he had an experience with the adversary during mm-hmm. the first vision, but that that was that was obviously very different than these thoughts of wealth and financial riches that he's having here. It's a different type of power that the adversary has. The first one is, frankly, it almost seems like, and I, and I I don't know as someone who's never seen Jesus. I, I can't really tell you uh, all the ways that that affects you. Um, but the first experience when he, when he has the first vision, Satan seems to be appearing to either take over his body or to physically restrain him. Remember his, his tongue cleaved to the, to the roof of his mouth. He can hear the footsteps of someone in, in that in that brush and he jumps up and looks around and, and to the point where Joseph says, I had, I thought I was going to be destroyed. And, and he makes this very clear point. This is not some imaginary force. This is real, right? Some actual being from the unseen world. And I've said before on this podcast that one of the things that is going to become increasingly unique to Latter-day Saint theology is something that you don't think about a whole heck of a lot, or maybe you do. You know what? You're probably thinking about it all the time. You're like, don't tell me what I think about. You're probably thinking about stealing plates. If only I had the opportunity. <laughs> this entire podcast is just me saying, give me a chance to steal plates to pay for this podcast. <laughs> um, but the the reality is that we believe that that Satan is a real being. And I know that all of us have Christian friends and they certainly believe that Satan exists. But I'm telling you, you can look at the Pew study of religions. You can look at religious polling over the past 20 years. It's not just that people are losing faith in God, generally. Even people who believe in God are losing their belief that Satan exists. So one of the increasingly unique aspects of Latter-day Saint theology is we don't think that Satan is just this idea or something that we collectively call evil or, you know, the devil made me do it as a way of giving an excuse when we ate, you know, the last piece of birthday cake when we knew our son wanted it. But hey, it's my birthday, so I'm going to eat the last piece of birth. This seems a little autobiographical. Yes. Yeah. But in fact, it was the other way around. He ate my piece of birthday cake. Um 
Alicia, if only we'd gotten your email earlier. Um, th- that idea that he that there really is a, a powerful being in the unseen world that is trying to destroy your soul. Think about how hard things are, right? Life is difficult. It seems like temptations come at us almost continually. Have have you ever thought about why that is? There's not only Lucifer, but however many untold billions of the spirits that followed him who are desperately trying to destroy your soul. And they do it through tempting us to sin. So while in this first experience, Joseph got to experience the physical reality that Satan has power and that he can try at least to take over your body, which is what Joseph has. He's losing some physical control. The second time is far more subtle. The second time, it's not physical. In fact, the second time is when Satan does his best work with Joseph. Because when we're tempted, it is rarely that we are tempted with some kind of incredibly avant-garde thing. I don't know if anyone listening to us has ever been possessed. I'm, I, 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 Frankly, I'm not sure what those emails would look like if I got them. But I'm pretty certain that everybody listening has faced incredible temptation in their life. Almost overpowering temptation, right? And this is what Joseph is going, and Satan goes right, goes right to where Joseph is the weakest. Satan tempts us in ways that make it seem like doing the wrong thing is somehow right. It's a right thing to want to help my family, isn't it? That, that's right. It's a righteous thing. My, my, my poor mother, Lucy Mack, my poor father who struggled so much. It is a right thing to want to help them. But the way that he's going to be tempted to help them is to be tempted to help them through taking these plates. So I think it's actually incredibly instructive to all of us. If you want to know how it is the adversary is going to try to get inside of your whole armor of God, it's going to be by telling you half-truths and lies. Rarely is he going to have someone knock on your door and say, Hey, I'm Satan. Want to go commit adultery, Bill? Uh, I mean... Bill well, would say Bill's, yes. Bill's going to sign up for that nine times out of ten, and oh. the only time he isn't is because you know he's he wasn't home. Stomach. No, oh, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like his his ring doorbell wasn't working. I don't know if you can see Satan on a ring doorbell. I mean, you know, it's well, Ring is very effective. It's it's a, yeah, yeah. The sponsor but, of the podcast. I wish we have zero sponsors of the podcast. Why do you think we're giving <laughs> premium content away to missionaries? Ring to, doorbell, Jersey mics. Yeah. Well, the, you know, but all kidding aside. Joseph is being taught something very important here. How powerful is Satan's ability to tempt us when an angel can appear to you four times in the space of half of a day and at least two of those times say, hey, Joseph, Satan is going to try to tempt you to steal the plates. And the angel leaves and Joseph's like, I gotta get my hand on some of these plates. (laughs) 
I think it's actually a very instructive thing about the power of the adversary. The adversary knows us from the pre-existence. You went through a veil. He didn't. Right? He is, is well aware of where our weaknesses are. And, and I think that's the reason why Joseph will say later in life when he's speaking to the Relief Society sisters, he'll tell them that, you know, I have a very subtle devil to deal with and I can only curb him by being humble. What, what a great teaching, right? Because I know we like to think, you know what? I'm so righteous. I, I mean, I don't know how many of our listeners are thinking I'm so righteous. They'd be listening to a different podcast, but, but we do like to, to, to kind of say, you know what? I'm doing pretty good. And you know what? You probably are. You're probably all living celestial lives. You, you know, when, when I talk about repentance, it's probably something minor. It's probably, oh, I wish I would have visited a fourth person in my ward this Sunday instead of only three. What kind of a horrible person am I? You know, you're all wonderful and good people. But the reality is Satan, like he did with Peter, desires, you know, uh, your soul. And the way that the adversary tempts us is through those vulnerabilities that we have because of mortality. If Joseph was a billionaire, my guess is Satan wouldn't have gotten very far saying, hey, Joseph, you should steal those plates that the angel just told you were from God because Joseph would be like, why would I want just another gold brick? I've got an entire fireplace of gold bricks. I don't need this one. And plus it's got someone wrote all over it and they graffitied it. You know, uh, I, I notice Joseph starts to gain a little bit of a British uppity accent <laughs> well, of as course. he becomes rich. He's an aristocrat. Yeah, right. I, um, I don't know, Wendy, what the... Australian equivalent is to someone becoming wealthy. Someone that doesn't have a life sentence. <laughs> wow. That, so, so as long as you don't have a life sentence, wow, that's a little rough. Uh, oh, yeah. Uh, Angie is chiming in for the background, letting us know that someone is not Bogan, right? Is that? That's correct. Yeah. I that, think that's, yeah. Uh, that's everyone from West Virginia that was very nice. <laughs> anyway. The way that the, the adversary tempts us is, is based upon our life circumstances. And, and I think that's one of, the, one of the universal aspects of humanity is that Satan will tempt us. Now, maybe uh, when you're wealthy, he's not tempting you with trying to steal gold plates, but he might be tempting you with something else. And, and what Joseph learned over and over again is how often the adversary tempts us with the idea of fame and, and worldly renown. As Joseph said, there are so many great big elders, uh, as we talked about on the hero worship episodes. So I think it's, it's a very crucial thing to stop and take stock for a minute of what a shattering disappointment this is. What would you be thinking about yourself if an angel has appeared to you four times telling you God has a special work for you to do and you 100% failed at that work. I thought that was interesting too, by the way. I remember as a kid reading First Nephi because that's you know all that I ever read as a kid. And then stopped reading because yeah, you got by kid, I mean... Until I, was, <laughs> until I was 44. <laughs> well, so, um, but I've always, I always read that and like in with a kind of a, 
a joke in my mind of thinking, well, of course he's saying this. He's, he's the one writing it. it. It really says something here that Joseph Smith is admitting to all of these things. Because it's one thing to see all of these things and then immediately um, you know, to have those feelings. It's another thing to admit it. To tell people. I mean, Joseph is telling us the reason why he was supposed to get the plates in 1823. You know, not spoiler alert. He doesn't get them till 1827. And so think of how crushing this disappointment must have been. I don't know. I mean, he, you know, the angel told him, call upon the Lord and the Lord will forgive you. And we, we must only assume that that's the case. Now, remember, the angel had only about 12 hours earlier said, your sins are forgiven you. Joseph made it almost 12 hours before offending God so much that an angel again had to say, "Oh boy." Well, I I, I hit my sister at a, at the luncheon after my baptism, so I, I lasted about forty five minutes. I remember thinking that when I was a little kid. I remember going under the water, and when I was under the water, having the thought, "When I come up, I'm going to be perfectly clean." Yeah, yeah. But then you know, like you after you come up out of the water, like you're like, "Is that?" Cousin Ed, I don't, I don't, I don't even like him. Why'd he come to my baptism? You know, and then you know, yeah. I don't have a, I don't have a cousin Ed. I'm just throwing that out there to try to, to uh, 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 talk trying to make about. me feel better about hitting my sister at the lunch. Well, I, I tried to distract. I mean, Sarah, if you're listening, I know you're not, but uh, <laughs> no, I, I, <laughs> she's not. no, she's not. It is funny that the people who listen to us least are the people who are closest to us. <laughs> well, I mean. They get this for free all the time. They don't enjoy that either. Yeah, uh, yeah. When they say you get it for free, yeah, it's like you get chicken pox for free. Here's uh, here's measles for free. Um, so Joseph goes back to his house. We don't know much about what happens next. Now we can piece together bits and pieces of his life through other sources over the course of the next several years. But here's what we do know. Every year, he's supposed to go back to that same spot and go back to get to see if he's yet worthy to get the plates. And every single year he goes, and every single year, angel appears, and Joseph, with a year to prepare, a year, he's got, okay, think about the goals that you've set, right? He's, leaving, he's walking down from the hill, okay. 365 days to stop trying to steal the gold plates. <laughs> right. And you got, what does he have? Like a Christmas countdown calendar where he's, he's got pulling, a paper chain. He's pulling paper chains. It's like a, it's like an advent calendar. Where he opens it up. Like don't steal the gold plates today. Yeah. 217 days to not want to steal the gold if plates. His, if his family had, you know, the ability to afford mirrors, I'm sure he could put a post or paper or paper. Can't afford paper. He could put a post-it on his mirror that says, Hey Joseph, don't try to steal the gold plates from God today. But whatever it took to fully purge himself, he's not there yet. In 1824, a year later, he goes back. He's still not able to get the plates. Now, the angel is going to give him instruction. The angel is going to say to him, uh, you know, multiple different things. Um, But as Joseph described it here, he says, he told me that I should come back to the precisely the same place in one year from that time and that he would there meet me and that I should continue to do so until the time should come for obtaining the plates. 
Accordingly, as I'd been commanded, I went at the end of each year, and each time I found the same messenger there and received instruction and intelligence from him at each of our interviews, respecting what the Lord was going to do and how and in what manner his kingdom was to be conducted in the last days. So again, I I really want you to try to put yourself in Joseph Smith's shoes here. The very fact that he shows up and can't get the plates is in and of itself a demonstration that Joseph is not totally worthy. And even though he's not totally worthy, does the angel say, well, I gave you two tries at this. I've appeared to you like 10 times at this point. How many angels do you have to see, Layman? You don't know that. You don't. You don't know about Lemuel yet, I guess. So. Well, you would if you would have been yeah. more righteous. You, know you should have already known about Laman and Lemuel. I'm going to quote from them, even though you don't know who they are, because you haven't translated the book yet. But even in that disappointment, that you know what, Joseph, your heart's still not ready for this. The angel continues to teach him. Moroni continues to teach him about how the kingdom of God is going to be restored. Now, we don't know exactly what he teaches him. But we do know that every year he goes back, every year he's unable to get them. And, you know, Richard, you brought up a really good point. This is actually a really big part of Joseph Smith history, uh, of, of the history that Joseph wrote to the world. I mean, if you go back to why is the 1838, the, the history of the church, why is it written? Owing to the many reports which have been put in circulation by evil disposed and designing persons in relation to the rise and progress of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, all of which have been designed by the authors thereof to militate against its character as a church and its progress in the world, I have been induced to write this history, to disabuse the public mind and put all inquirers after truth in possession of the facts as they have transpired in relation both to myself and the church so far as I have such facts in my my possession. This history was not written in Joseph's journal. This is not like the 1832 history that's just written down and they never complete it. We don't know. Maybe they intended to publish it, but they didn't. This was specifically written to counter all of the attacks that were being made on the church and on Joseph Smith's character. Back to Richard's point. That's a pretty weird thing to spend so much time talking about what a failure you were at trying to get the plates if, if it wasn't really true. What? If the whole point is to just build yourself up by this false story that you've created out of whole cloth, why are you spending so much time talking about how terrible you are at it? That, that's not a very good look that he has to keep coming back and back and back because he can't get the plates. I think it does demonstrate the sincerity and the honesty of Joseph's account. That There's no real reason for him when he's trying to disabuse people of evil designed and designing persons to say, yeah, well, I was sinning. That's uh, a lot of people have been yeah, saying I'm, yeah. I'm a pretty good guy. I want to uh, disabuse yeah, you. Of let, that. let me go back to the far. Uh, the, the, <laughs> look, there's the one part of what they're saying is that I was a sinner. You know, Joseph's very honest about his sins. And at one point, he's going to say, I, "I, I've never said that I was perfect, but there is no error in the revelations I've I've received." Right. So 
there, there's a difference between um, him not being a perfect person, but him perfectly communicating what it is that God wants him to communicate. I will say one other thing that, that is beautiful about this. This is one of the things that I can certainly liken to myself here that again and again and again, I fall short and I fail and I fall short and I fail. And the, the idea of this temptation from Satan over and over that when he doesn't receive it, I'm sure he feels pretty beaten down by how, how terrible are you? You'll never receive it. And that to continue to go back, to continue to go back until ultimately at the end receives it. And I, I think that's a beautiful uh, symbolism for us and, and all of the things that we go through in this life. Yeah, I mean, the, the reality that this really is a good microcosm of all of our mortal lives. I mean, unfortunately, until, until after this life, we don't ever get to the point where Satan stops tempting us. We don't ever get to the point where we get to put our flag in the ground at the top of temptation Everest and say, this is it. I've achieved. I'm perfected. I'm never going to be tempted again. Salvation and and the progress towards exaltation is this daily struggle where we're just trying to make ourselves a little bit better than we were the day before. And of course we aren't on many of those days. How many days will we will we be begging God to forgive us because we didn't act the way that we should have? Because we didn't have our thoughts pure on 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 the an eye single to the glory of God. Joseph Smith's early life and his odyssey to obtain the plates under Moroni's direction. Again, Joseph has an angel appearing to him. Hey, Joseph. Maybe next time stop trying to steal the plates. I don't know what I don't know what Moroni's saying. But by the third or fourth year, right, this is not the end of Joseph Smith's tutelage by Moroni. And as he goes back year after year, his family's still poverty stricken. So I don't know what the temptation is, but my guess is it's still the same kind of temptation. This is it's in the intervening years that some other things are going to happen, like Alvin will die shortly after Joseph's first failed attempt to get those plates. Well, Alvin's death is incredibly tragic. I mean, Joseph loves him. And the way, if you haven't read Lucy Mack's depiction of Alvin's death in her book, you know, get a box of Kleenex and then go read it because it's just awful. He knows he's dying and he starts saying goodbye to everybody and to the little kids. And it is just, you know, it is heartrending to, to, to read. Not only is it this huge emotional, just knife to the heart of the Smith family, Alvin is their primary source of income. Alvin's the oldest boy. Alvin's the one who's able to produce the most work and he's the one who gets hired out for the most money because he's the most, uh, he's the most experienced, the most, uh, the, the oldest son. And so not only do you lose, you know, your, your oldest son, the one who's the mentor of Joseph and Hiram and others, you lose a whole part of the, the way that you were barely hanging on. Part of the reason why you were hanging on was Alvin was contributing with his labor. And now Alvin's gone. It's during the same time that Joseph Smith is eventually, in 1825, going to be hired 
by Josiah Stoll to go down to Pennsylvania and and the New York, Pennsylvania area to search for uh, an old abandoned silver mine that Josiah Stoll believes is somewhere there in Pennsylvania. Now, there are many problems with this. First, the Spanish were never in Pennsylvania. It becomes very difficult to have a Spanish silver mine anywhere where the Spanish never lived. I've always found that that's one of the, it is one of the drawbacks of saying, you know what? Let's go find a Spanish silver mine. You'll probably need to go somewhere where the Spanish ever lived ever. Pennsylvania, not one of those places. Um, and so Joseph is going to be hired out as a day laborer for this. And he's going to, he's going to work like he's a day laborer back home. And, and, and as he tells it, you know, it was never very profitable. Um, and, uh, eventually, you know, prevails upon Josiah Stoll to give it up, but it's pretty clear according to Joseph Knight senior that over that winter that Joseph staying down there, Joseph thought he'd have much more steady work because that's what Josiah Stoll promised. And he appears to have over promised how much work he had. So, uh, Joseph Knight tries to pick up the slack, tries to start hiring Joseph out to do side jobs for him just to try to keep Joseph afloat. And really when we say Joseph afloat, we mean the Smith family because all of that money is going back to try to help the Smiths. So Joseph's down there hiring out his, his labor even. And why does he take the job? He takes it because it pays more than, uh, uh, the, the, the jobs he was getting in Palmyra. Again, the economy has never fully recovered from the panic of 1819. And so Joseph, even four five, six years later is still dealing with lower wages, lower uh, return on your wheat. And the family is still continuing to struggle in part because when they incurred their debts, they bought all of those things, their land, their house, their, all of that at the height of the market before the downturn. I know I said this was going to be our last episode on Moroni, but Richard kind of telegraphed. He knew where we, it's like, it's like almost you were a seer there for a second. Almost, almost as though. And also you said before, there's no way I'm going to finish this today. Yeah. Well, it's almost as though those two things. Yeah. Both of Me being a seer. Richard saw the future after I said, I'm worried I'm not going to be able to finish if we end up talking about this too much. So we are going to talk about it next week. Hopefully it's not too boring for you, but there's some really cool other aspects Because Moroni's interaction with Joseph doesn't stop when Joseph finally gets the plates. It doesn't. In fact, Moroni's tutelage is going to stay with Joseph for for a long time after this. And there's at least a couple of experiences that I feel like we need to talk about, that we're going to talk about. I apologize to people who don't want to hear about it anymore, but we're going to talk about it next week. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you for listening to the Standard of Truth podcast, hosted by historian Dr. Garrett Dirkmott. If you know anybody that could benefit from the material in this episode, please share it with them. And for more resources, visit standardoftruth.com. Until next time.